Felicity Nelson. Today I'm joined by my co-host of the show, Francine Crimmins. Hi there. And we've got two special guests, Bianca Nogrady, a science and medical freelancer who's been working full-time for our live COVID-19 blog, and Jeremy Nibbs, the publisher of Medical Republic. Jeremy, welcome to the show, and Bianca, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. Glad to be here. So, Jeremy, um, it seems like you've got the need to jump on a soapbox and share some of your opinions about uh, GPs during COVID-19. So, as we all know, GPs are really feeling the pinch right now with face-to-face consultations dwindling, um, telehealth taking off but not really replacing that income. Can you paint a bit of a picture of what's going on right now? Yeah, I think the main thing is is that telehealth... uh, uh, no one was ready for telehealth. Everyone wanted telehealth for, for 10 years and telehealth's a good idea, but the government has never wanted telehealth because they thought it was going to be abused. So there was no preparation. So when they introduced it, and they did have to introduce it within a very short period of time, no one was ready. So there's no GPs who, who really know how to use it. There's no GPs with technology and patients aren't used to it and don't know how to use it as well. Um, so essentially... It's backing up, and uh, if you, initially, when it wasn't bulk billed, if you're a mixed billing practice, you were locked in on a loss. But now, what's going on is is that every patient's at home, and not that many patients are using it, and their income is plummeting. On top of that, they've got all sorts of other things going on, like um, the pathology companies uh, not paying them rent, where there's where, where there's co-location for for pathology. Uh, and generally they're they're struggling. And it seems that some GP clinics were better set up for this uh, than others, and it could be about what um, practice management software that they were using at the start of this. Is that correct, Jeremy? And do you know anything about kind of any of the telehealth integration that's already happening in this space? Yeah, look, I spoke to a few people, and the, the problem was is that not many practices were actually set up for, for telehealth and trained for telehealth. And even those ones which were, they were set up in a way that doesn't, um, that isn't set up for, from, uh, for 363 items. So last year, telehealth was 84 obscure items for, from the MBS. You know, within one week, it's 363 items. And um, even those that are set up, and we believe that there's less than 10% of practices that had existing telehealth capability. Uh, they weren't really trained and, and understood how to do this. Now, that's not to say they can't get up to speed and they can't do it quickly. Um, there's other problems. And, and, and you're, on the patient side, the problem is, is quite big because essentially they're not getting as many, um, they're just not getting as many consults as they used to have. And the government has uh, said, yep, but you've got telehealth now. They're still not getting the net number. And then the government's gone and said, okay, we're going to open it up from just being bulk billed so you can add on to that. But we have no idea what a patient will do um, when you add on to it because that's an extra complexity in the consult now because they're going, they're going to have to do a credit card over the consult and that's going to, that's going to um, back up a consult as well. Um, so we've just had the Australian General Practice Alliance calling for a rescue package from government for GPs. Um, Jeremy, what is your opinion on this? Do you think the government needs to step in and fund general practice? Yeah, look, uh, the, the thing here is there are a lot of people in a lot of need. So a lot of, and, and some people might say, well, GPs, at least they have some income and they're surviving. The problem with that is, is that GPs are the front line of triage and the front line of testing. 
for the whole COVID strategy. So if you have half your GP force going broke while you're trying, on the other hand, to get them all to go to work, Get them all to go to work, and when patients come in, they're put, you know potentially risking their lives, and then they're going broke at the same time. You're going to break down. You're going to break down your front line. The easiest thing the government could do here is is simply look at look at what the through the tax system look at what look at what a practice earned at the same time last year and guarantee it for three months, and then come back and revisit it after that three months. They're doing that. In, they're doing that in their packages through the tax system for small business. They've guaranteed parts of the childcare sector. They guarantee the banks in the GFC. What we're talking about with GPs is GPs are a critical part of the healthcare strategy infrastructure. So the, the government needs to recognise this quickly and turn around and just say, look, it'll be okay. Don't worry about anything for three months. And it's not hard for the government to do. And you've just pointed out one of the key differences that GPs are facing in the COVID-19 crisis, and that's if you're a hospital doctor, you, all your bills are paid for in terms of seeing patients. Uh, the lights are kept on, you have a room that's paid for in the hospital and GPs are facing the complete opposite situation where they have to see patients but they're also financially responsible for the process and all of the bills required to see that patient in the first place. Yeah, I mean, GPs, GPs are, sm- are small businesses and um, they've got to look after their business as they go. So... Um, They've got to. Um, uh, they're not like a hospital doctor, and, and now the government has also put in um, uh, one point three billion behind private hospitals. Now you don't want to be a hospital doctor if this goes out of control, but being a GP at the moment is is massively, massively stressful, and it probably doesn't need to be. And it's it's creating a key weakness in the whole COVID strategy. The strategy of the government says get the health crisis right first. And they're doing that, and the government's reacting well, and the government's done a lot of things here that are really good, but they're just not on top of... Yeah, they're not understanding that GPs are um, in trouble here. So one last question, Jeremy. Um, you know, govern, government support might happen, but it might not for GPs. Um, if it doesn't happen, what can GPs do right now in terms of you know, getting some financial relief. Um, what about job seeker? Is there anything else that they should be thinking about? I'm not the expert for that, for sure. But um, they're going. They've, they've got telehealth. They've, they've definitely got to look at optimising their telehealth. And uh, there's a lot of training coming through. Uh, we're doing a webcast. I think the RACGP is doing stuff. So they've got to look at optimising telehealth. They've got to then get on top of the new EPIP payments because the government is going to increase EPIP. I think they're going to double it. But then there's paperwork around that and then they're going to look then they're going to do what all the other small businesses are doing most of their revenues are below 30 percent, so they're going to have to go for job seeker but all of the time they're taking to do that they're not spending time with their patients and that's that's causing flaws in in the in the strategy we have here thanks so much jeremy for your insights this week um it's great to have you tell them to us on the podcast here And so we've also got uh, Bianca Nogrady with us. Uh, Bianca has been running our live blog, as Felicity mentioned before, and you can find it at all hours of the day. It's on the Medical Republic website. And Bianca is doing an amazing job. I don't know how you do it, Bianca, of keeping it updated with all the latest information. I was wondering if you could uh, maybe tell us what some of the big news items of today are. Sure. Well, I should say I do get a lot of help with this blog with uh, all the fantastic Medical Republic staff suggesting stories. So it's um, very much a team effort. 
Um, but yeah, I think the big story for today so far, obviously, is the Australian General Practice Alliance calling for this rescue package. And as Jeremy has said, uh, we know that a lot of general practices are really struggling and some of them are, are talking you know, about um, revenue drops of up to 70% because uh, patients are staying away, patients are really unfamiliar with telehealth, a lot of GPs are unfamiliar with telehealth. So, uh, and, you know, it's no small thing to implement something like telehealth in such a short uh, space of time. And so um, uh, AGPA is really asking for the government to uh, throw some grants in the direction of general practices that might help them to actually implement telehealth more quickly. But it's also additional costs that are coming from this pandemic, like the need for additional personal protective equipment, which is not only not cheap, but also incredibly difficult to source at the moment. Um, and the other issue is just retaining staff and being able to, to um, pay staff when you've got a diminished workload, but you still need front desk staff, you still need nurses, you still need um, those kind of essential um, people. So, yeah, so it's interesting whether there'll be a response to this uh, and what form that response might take. But I imagine that there are a lot of practices that are kind of waiting with bated breath to see if the government does step up on this one. Um, and what other issues were raised today? There were... Um, a few few sort of items coming through the blog I saw. Yeah, it's a bit of a slow news day so far. Um, it's kind of funny with this pandemic how there are some days where just everything comes in a mad rush and there are other days when it's actually kind of quiet. Um, and really today, I guess, um, you know, the RECGP has put out a reminder that telehealth doesn't have to mean high-tech video conferencing, which I'm sure will come as a relief to a lot of general practitioners and patients. Um, you know, really, you could even do this with an old-style rotary fro phone, which I understand some people do still have one of those. Um, <laughs> strange but true. So, you know, this can just be something as simple as a telephone call. It doesn't have to involve software or video conferencing or smartphones or anything like that. And I think that's important to remember because so many um, kind of consultations, you know, we don't necessarily need to see what's happening. It can just be a verbal communication. Um, some of the other news that's happening today. So Deakin University has just launched a population-based longitudinal study that's going to try and um, answer some questions about how this pandemic is impacting families. Uh, speaking as someone currently, I was stuck at home with two primary school-aged children. I've got my own views on this, and I'm sure uh, many listeners will have their views on how this is impacting families, um, or at least families with children. And they're, they're looking to recruit 2,000 volunteer families. They're particularly interested in um, those with children, younger children, but not exclusively so. Uh, and it'll be an initial 20-minute online survey, and then they're going to repeat that every fortnight um, for six months or a similar survey every fortnight for six months to really just try and assess the impact not just on, um, on adults but also on children. So, you know, that's something either for GPs themselves to sign up for or to suggest to their patients. Um, well, other than that, it's kind of fairly quiet today. We've, I mean, we've got, you know, the usual weird rabbit hole complexity that is the face mask debate. And we keep kind of asking ourselves, do we put this on the blog or do we not put this on the blog every time there's a new kind of statement that comes out? And I think it's um, it's a bit of a wellspring of confusion. <laughs> so I think at this stage, the, um, the rise is just well, at least for, for community members, obviously, is just do what you want um, uh, in terms of people who don't have symptoms. 
but you know every other day there's a new statement whether it's from the CDC in the United States or it's from the World Health Organization or it's from Australian experts um, there's not really any clear guidance for people who are asymptomatic community members and obviously the guidance for healthcare workers is pretty clear that really if you could go into this wearing a you know biosecurity level four hazard suit that'd be great but those are a little difficult to source right now um and I think there's probably still some digesting going on of the modelling that was released yesterday by the government. Um, so this was uh, the modelling that underpinned the uh, the government's pandemic strategy. It was done by the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity at the Melbourne University. Um, now, it's important to clarify this modelling is not based on Australian data uh, because we don't really have enough data, um, I think, to really... Um, make some reliable decisions. So this was, um, as I understand, using um, overseas international data, but uh, it's, I guess it's the, it's the information that the government is using to guide its response as we go along. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of shapes up. Um, other than that, it's, yeah, pretty quiet, I think, today. We're waiting to see what comes out of the, um, the kind of the medical journals and obviously everybody's just watching to see what the state and federal governments will do next. Yeah, you always say that it's quiet and then something breaks I know. right at the last minute. I, I shouldn't <laughs> jinx it, should I? <laughs> um, yeah, so it seems quiet, but that, that's why we've got this blog going so that we can kind of cover things just as they're breaking, which is fantastic. And thank you, Bianca, so much for giving us your time. I know you've got to get back to it, so we'll let you go. But um, that's that's everything for today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to get in touch with Bianca, um, you can reach her at Bianca at BiancaNoGrady.com. She's really interested in hearing tips for feedback and ideas from GPs across the country. Uh, thanks everyone for listening.